We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The names behind the numbers. The stories behind the names. This is the Her Hoop Stats Podcast with John Little. And he came back and he said, get off the phone. It's Mark Cuban. Help me, Lord. I said, who is Mark Cuban? (laughs) The biggest newsmakers, the best storytellers. The Her Hoop Stats Podcast. Here's your host, John Little. It's another week. Welcome into the Her Hoop Stats Podcast. Great to have you back with us. John Little here with you. Yes, I'm the host of the Her Hoop Stats Podcast. Really appreciate you joining the show again this week. Quick reminder to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to write and review us on Apple if you don't mind. That really helps people find the show. And I crave your honest feedback. I absolutely do it. We've got an email address where you can reach out to us, podcast at herhoopstats.com. Podcast at herhoopstats.com. You can tell us hey, what you'd like to hear on the show, uh, what you like better than other things, uh, what uh, to never do again. That's what we want to know here on the Her Hoop Stats podcast. And we've got a very special program this week. And I want to acknowledge right off the bat that this figure is not necessarily a women's basketball figure. She is a woman. She is in basketball. And I know you're going to love what she brings you today. Uh, But Sint Marshall is our guest. And Sint Marshall is our feature presentation, if you will, today, too. Saturday, July 20th, the Dallas Wings hosted Inspiring Women Night, and they brought in Cynthia Marshall. She is the CEO of the Dallas Mavericks, and she's been there for a little over a year now, coming over from the corporate world where she was at AT AT&T for 36 years. And she is a culture changer, and she is an instant just set-the-room-on-fire type person. 
She is everything I want to be when I grow up, and I am absolutely serious about that. Just listen to her speak. She speaks with such passion, and it's like that she knows when she enters a room, when she enters any sort of space, she knows she can make a difference wherever she goes, just simply with her smile, simply with the way she treats people as well. And aren't those the people we are going to remember for years and years and years to come? That's that's what I want to be. That's what I encourage you to be as well. There are two types of podcasts I, that I basically listen to. Number one is interviews with people that I really want to hear from, and that's why I started this type interview show with Her Hoop Stats. And the second thing is where I'm being taught. And Cynthia Marshall's about to teach us, and Cynthia Marshall is about to preach at us a little bit here too about her life. But what an incredible story of survival, of overcoming. It's like she never had a doubt, even when things weren't going well in her life. And you're going to hear how much she believes in education as well. So educators, be encouraged and inspired in young people. Be inspired by this message. So I've gotten sent Marshall's permission to basically bring to you her presentation to the hundreds of fans in attendance on Saturday night. And then afterward, I got a few questions in with her as well, including uh, talking about the new WNBA commissioner, Kathy Engelbert, who sent had a little experience with as well. So without further ado, here's the presentation on Inspiring Women Night from St. Marshall. Uh, but I just want to tell you a little bit of a, a story. Kind of my, my childhood and what I wanted to do today is to uh, really inspire. And I'm going to talk about my story. I want to talk a little bit about values. And then I want to share some of the lessons that I have learned on this wonderful, wonderful journey uh, that I have been on uh, for, it'll be 60 years in December. I know this is what you're supposed to look like at 59. And so I want to just share with you some of the lessons uh, that I have learned. And it's based on a set of values. And when you think of values, people sometimes think about, you know, how you get kind of upset or you get kind of discombobulated when something challenges your value system. How many of you actually have a value system? You know what you stand for. And so usually when it's off, it means something is wrong. I want you to look at somebody and smile and say, neighbor. No, say, I, did I tell you I grew up in a Pentecostal church? Loud, neighbor. neighbor. What's the matter with you? All right, that sounds good to me. Find you another neighbor and say, neighbor. neighbor. What are your values? What's the matter with you? All right, that's what I want to talk about. What is the matter with you? Matter meaning values. What are you standing on and what are you about? So before I get into the values and what I have learned, I want to just tell you a little bit about my childhood for those of you who uh, don't know it. Uh, if you know your civil rights history, uh, you know the story of the 16th Street uh, Baptist Church that was bombed in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, that church was my mother's church. And my parents left Birmingham when I was three months old. Uh, which was actually three years before that incident occurred. And they left Birmingham because they didn't want their kids, and I was the baby at the time, but there were four of us. Uh, eventually, two were born in California, but they left there when I was a baby on a train. 
because my parents made a decision they did not want their children to grow up in the Jim Crow South. A lot was going on, as we know, you know, history tells us. Um, and so our, my parents were very still active and involved in the civil rights movement. Uh, I can remember several times when the phone would ring at uh, three, four o'clock in the morning and my dad's response was always, who died? Because he knew something was going on uh, and because of the time difference, we'd get these calls uh, in the middle of the night. And my parents moved to the San Francisco Bay Area and we lived in the Easter Hill Public Housing Projects. How many of you ever heard of Richmond, California? Okay, and sometimes I say Richmond and people say, oh, Richmond, Virginia. I'm like, no, Richmond, California. And so that's where I grew up. When I was 11 years old, I saw my father shoot a man in the head in self-defense. And I got everybody's attention. And actually, it was not really in self-defense, it was in my defense. Because all this commotion broke out in our home and my mother took all six of her kids and took us in a back room, I can still see it, and just told us to, to stay in there and she closed the door. But somehow, because I was a nosy little kid, and believe it or not, I was a quiet kid. I know that is so hard to believe. But back then, I was a quiet kid. I would just sit and I had my head in um, my math book or a Bible. And one day I'm gonna write a book called A Math Book and a Bible. Uh, because those are the two books that my mother put in my hand. She put a math book in one hand and the Bible in the other and told me if I just put my head in these two books, if I kept my head in these two books, that I'd get out of what we now know to be poverty. She didn't say it like that, uh, but that's what it turned out to be. So I was quiet, but I was nosy. I liked to know what was going on around me. So I went out the room and struck up the hallway and went and stood at the door with my dad when a young man, 17 years old, pointed a silver pistol down to my father's right side. Uh, that's when my father knew that I was no longer in the back room with my five brothers and sisters, but in the potential pathway of a bullet. He shot back in self-defense of me. Fortunately, it was not fatal. Um, the young man lost his eye. Needless to say, chaos broke out in our house and in our neighborhood because of this young man uh, coming uh, to shoot at our house, and then of course, my father's response in self-defense. So we were sequestered in the house for safety purposes for months. We couldn't go to school. But I was in the seventh grade. I cried, cried, cried because I wanted to go to school. Because I was taught at an early age that education was my ticket out. And so that's where I found refuge with everything going on in our neighborhood, everything going on in our house, and I grew up with domestic violence. The, the books were just somewhere, that was a place where I could just hide in. The classroom was a place, and I know we've got some educators here, God bless you. That was just the place that was safe for me. And so my mother figured out a way for me to go to school because out of all the kids, I said I had to be in school. Now can you imagine, I, mean, I think back on it now, with everything my mother was going through, and you got some pesky little kid standing there saying, I gotta get to school, I gotta get to school. But you know what my mother did? She figured out a way for me to go to school. So a uniformed police officer took me to school almost every day when I was in the seventh grade, which, and I know there's controversy, but to this day, uh, I love him and, and the law enforcement people who literally devoted their life to do what was written on their card to protect and to serve me. He took me to school every day. He'd show up in his police uniform, and so sometimes he'd ride the bus with me, 
or sometimes he would throw me in his police car and take me to school. I wasn't ashamed by it. I was so happy to be able to go to school. So when you look at the president and all these people now that have Secret Service, can I tell them I'm so used to that, I had Secret Service. I had Secret Service when I was 11 years old. I knew all about that. I got some in here right now. I'm like, move. I, <laughs> I'm free to move about the cabin. Okay, so I had Secret Service a long time ago. So fast forward four years, and I'm 15 years old. It's the summer of 1975. My oldest brother uh, graduated from high school, and it was a bloody mess in our house. And his graduation night, the police had to escort us out of the house uh, because of what was going on with domestic violence. And so we were sent away, uh, put away for the summer, and my mother's prayer was that we would make it back to school before school started. Because again, young people, education is important. So she prayed the week before school started, we came back home. We walked in and you know, we had, we lived in the project and we had one of those deluxe units, cause you know, six of us, you know, six kids and the two parents. So we had one of those four bedroom deluxe units in the projects. And we came back and all that was in there was a mattress for me and my younger sister to sleep on. My father had taken everything. And I'll never forget being 15 years old and we ran track. And so we had a lot of trophies and all that. And we're like, where's our stuff? And then, you know, school was starting and you're 15 years old. We got any 15 year olds in here? Anybody in high school in here? So yeah, you're going back to school and you have nothing. And so we're like, where's our stuff? And I'll never forget my mother's response. She said, everybody be quiet. And it was quiet, just like it is in here right now. And she said, all I want is peace of mind. God will provide. And we're like, okay, okay, mom's got it. And so I went back to school uh, that following week, uh, junior in high school, head cheerleader, with a big brace on my nose from when my father had broken my nose uh, that summer. And I went out and I cheered and I did what I had to do like nothing was wrong. Three educators, and a principal came up to me after cheering in one of the games and asked what was going on. They got with my mother and decided to embrace her, embrace her kids, and decided I was going to college. Because of them, I ended up getting involved in all these activities. They were just throwing me in stuff. Young people, listen to your teachers. Just let them just do what they do. They were just throwing me in stuff. They saw my future. And I ended up graduating at the top of my entire school district and got five full scholarships to the college of my choice. You are clapping for those three teachers and that principal. All of our educators, please stand up. We have to give you your props. Thank you for what you do every day. Now you sit down and everybody else stand up and let's give the proper ovation to all of our educators who I believe have the real jobs on the planet and I call it Homeland Security. You are truly Homeland Security. You are securing our future. And I know you secured mine. So I got uh, this full scholarship to Berkeley and, and I chose the University of California at Berkeley not because it's the number one public institution on the planet, that's not why I chose it. I chose it because it was just a few minutes away from home. And with my scholarship came a car and I didn't want to leave uh, my mother. So 
my boyfriend who lives three hours away from me, whose sister is actually in the audience right now. He lives three hours away from me, uh, and he called me, he was a year ahead of me in school, and he told me that he had a surprise for me, that he had actually changed school so that he could be close to me. And he was across the bridge, surprise. I said, hold up boyfriend, I got a surprise for you. I said, I will call you when I graduate. This is my first week in college. Because the words that I was taught at this point to live by, repeat after me, young people, dream, dream. say it loud, dream, dream. Focus, focus, pray, pray. and act. And this was the focus part. And I said, I'll call you when I graduate. And he said, uh, no, I just, I changed schools. I'll be surprised, I'm across the bridge. I said, okay, well, I'll call you when I graduate. So he'd go and see my mother every now and then. So the day I graduated from college, I called him. And I said, hey, this is sent. He said, sent who? Focus, okay? I said, boy, don't act like you don't know me. I was so excited. I said, I just graduated today, which was like, a big deal. I remember, I remember standing on Berkeley's campus. I mean, this was a big deal because hardly anybody you know, in my neighborhood went to college. And I stood there and everything was so big and I just, I just said I had to focus. I had to take advantage of this. And of course, you know, I had all these educators you know, kind of hounding me, telling me what I got to get done. And so I meant to make them proud. And so here it is now. I'm getting ready to graduate. I called them. I said, I just graduated from college today. My mom's having a party at six o'clock. I'm gonna start working for the phone company in three weeks, because I needed three weeks off to watch my soap operas, because I had been, I had, no, seriously, I mean, I've been, you know, finals and all that, I need to watch my stories. And so, I ended up telling him to come to the party. And he said he couldn't come to the party, because he was engaged. I said, that's the wrong answer, boyfriend. <laughs> He said, I haven't talked to you in almost four years. I said, I've been focused. I had to take advantage of this opportunity. He said, I can't, I'm engaged. Uh, Beyonce has that song, if you like it, then you ought to put a ring on it. I've been married to that boy 36 years. <laughs> Where's Lisa? His sister is in the audience. One of our Mavs members, where is Lisa? Is Lisa back there? Wave, Lisa. It's my sister-in-law back there. So he came to the party. So that's my lesson to all of you young people out there. Just put them on hold, okay? You have to focus, have your big dreams, go after your big dreams. They will wait. So I ended up starting, uh, I ended up starting my job at AT&T, and then I had a wonderful 36-year career working all over the place for AT&T. Left California, went to North Carolina, loved my Tar Heel State, and then I ended up, AT&T moved me to Dallas. Uh, six years ago. Then, of course, I retired from AT&T, started a consulting company, and I was at home on February the 21st, 2018, and it was actually the day that Billy Graham died. Anybody in here know Billy Graham? Some young people, please raise your hands. You just need to know. So, it was a day where I was at home and I was writing a blog post called Impact, and it was because these teenagers, like the teenagers in front of me. These teenagers had such an impact on my life in Parkland, Florida, because they were protesting what was going on there and gun violence. And then there was this 99-year-old, Billy Graham, who also had an impact on my life. So I was writing this blog post, I just finished it, about impact. And here I had these teenagers and this 99-year-old, and I was somewhere in the middle. 
and just reflecting after a 36 year career and starting this consulting company, what kind of impact do I really want to have in life? And I was really trying to answer the question of what's the matter with me? I'm just feeling a little off right now. And I've had a great career, started this business, but it was still just a little off. Something was the matter with me. And I'm on the phone with my client and I got all these text messages and my husband finally handed me my cell phone. I thought it was one of my four kids calling for money. Cause you know, that's what they do now. Just, and I tell my kids, I'm busy, I'm on the go. Just text me the amount, okay? Because <laughs> I don't need to talk to you. I know what you want. Just text me the amount. <laughs> so I had to my husband, I said, check and see if one of the kids, like what they call them, what do they need? And he came back and he said, get off the phone. It's Mark Cuban. Help me, Lord. I said, who is Mark Cuban? <laughs> you know, I'm out there. You know, I'm working hard, just trying to make her money. I'm raising kids. I'm in church. I'm in a community. I ain't watching TV. I hadn't been to a Dallas Mavericks game. I just didn't know Mark Cuban. My husband just shook his head. He said, hang up the phone. Just hang up the phone. Next thing I know, I was talking to Mark, and he was so sincere about what was going on and asked me if I could come and meet him. And so I told him I couldn't come right then. I had a mammogram that I had learned the hard way what happens when you don't take care of your medical business and that I would come to him later. And so I went and had my mammogram, I came back. My husband was sitting there in a black suit, a Mavs blue shirt, this Mavs blue and black and gray tie. And he said, hurry up, you gotta change, you gotta change, hurry up. And I said, what are you doing? He said, I looked down the line when you were gone. These are the Mavs colors. These are the Mavs colors. He said, you can't go in there with none of that blue and gold Berkeley stuff, because they don't think it's the Warriors. He says, look, these are the exact colors you need to wear. My husband is not a fashion guy, okay? But he knew the Mavs and he knew Mark Cuban. And so I went to see Mark and um, kind of decided at the time, I didn't know if I was gonna do this. Just, just totally impressed with him, impressed with his sincerity, and he wasn't taking no for an answer. He meant to address, and Effie said it, he was about a culture transformation. And he was looking for somebody who could help him. And I hadn't decided until I was walking out of his office and two women grabbed me on the way out and said, are you the person who Mark said is going to save us? And I said, well, I can't save anybody. And I don't mean to preach, I know somebody who can, but I can't save anybody. But let me just pray on this. They talked to me, they told me their stories. I went home, prayed about it. I came back the next morning. I was in the building for three hours before Mark even knew I was there. And he finally came in the conference room and he said, I guess that's a yes. And I said, it is a yes. And so we put some values in place and they spell crafts, our values at the Dallas Mavericks. That's the first thing we did, our character, respect, authenticity, fairness, teamwork, and safety, both physical and emotional safety. At the Dallas Mavericks, our tagline is, it's a place where every voice matters and everybody belongs. We focus on diversity and inclusion, and there is a difference between diversity and inclusion. Diversity is about the mix, it's about representation, it's about the numbers, it's about who's sitting at the table. But inclusion is about what you do with that mix. Do you really know them? Is there a sense of belonging? Have you taught them the rules? You can put, you can put people at the table 
and not teach them the rules, and then they're just sitting there feeling like outcasts because you're the only one, and I've been the only one, I've been the first, I've been the only one, I mean, y'all know how that is, okay? And so we try to focus on both. And since one of my values is fun, what I like to do is teach a diversity and inclusion lesson with fun. So stand up. How many people in this crowd think you are good singers? Okay. How many think you are good dancers? Okay. Well, we're getting ready to see. How many of you know how to do the Cupid Shuffle? Okay. Who does not know how to do the Cupid Shuffle? Okay, keep your hands up if you don't know how to do it. Okay, look at the hands that are up and somebody who knows how to do it, go and find them. And I know we got a tight space, but go and find them. Because this is a lesson in diversity and inclusion. Because what we have to do is teach each other how to dance. We have to teach each other the rules. We have to invite them. The way I like to describe it is diversity. Okay, repeat after me, diversity. Is being invited to the party. Inclusion is being asked to dance. So what we are about, what Effie is about, what we're about at the Dallas Mavericks, at the Dallas Wings, is including everybody. We're about teaching everybody to dance. We're about inviting everybody to the dance floor. So those of you who don't know how to do it, put your hands back up. All right, give me the music. for you to learn how to do that. Because, and listen to the answers. What it took for people to learn how to do this is what it takes for our communities to work together, is what it takes for women to feel included and a sense of belonging at a table in a male-dominated environment. It's what it takes for people of color to feel included when you are surrounded at an executive table without people of color. It's what it takes for our LGBTQ members and youth to feel included. This is what this whole, it seemed like a dance. And yes, I was a cheerleader and I still got moves and all that. Okay, but this is what this message is about. What did it take for you to learn how to do that? Support, I love it. Now you know how to do it. Okay, you're gonna turn the party out. All right, who else over here? What did it take, sister? Stand up. Communication, somebody to talk to you, what else? I saw you back there, you were moving. Are you sure you don't know how, you didn't know how to do it already? I saw you, what else does it take? Oh, you hear that? She said, I got you. Look at somebody and say, I got you. I got you. 
Okay, so that is my lesson. Character. We talked about character. I'm going to tell you a story about character because that's one of my values as well. Integrity is so important. And I learned a lesson about character a long time ago. Uh, we adopted a little boy when he was two and a half years old. And so at three and a half, there was a baby picture contest at his preschool. Now you can well imagine that was tough for us because we didn't have a baby picture of my son. And so I told my husband, well, let's just take the little picture they gave us when we adopted him and he'll just have to tell his story from that. So my husband said, no, it's a baby picture contest and I'm not gonna have my boy being the only one without a baby picture. And I said, well, we're, I mean, we don't have a choice. And so I go upstairs, change clothes after work, I come back down and my husband is practicing this whole speech with my son with a picture, a baby picture of my nephew. Now they're not even the same complexion, so I don't even know how they thought they were gonna pull this off. And so it was actually my sister-in-law Lisa's, her son, Jalen. And so I said, you can't do this. That's a lie. You just can't do this. My husband reared back and he said, our job is to give this boy self-esteem. And back then, there was a stigma to being adopted. He said, I'm not gonna have him, the only one in there without a baby picture. And he said, I got this wife, I got this. And anybody in here, you know you're married, you try not to argue in front of the kids. So I just gave him some of that black woman head action like, dude, you can't do that. I mean, I was kind of upset about it, right? And I know it's not just the black woman. A lot of people got that head action, right? My husband won. Somehow he won. And so when I left to go to school, to, to work that next morning off to San Francisco, my husband was taking my boy to school with that whole story and my nephew's picture. I came in from work that night and the trophy from the baby picture contest is on my kitchen table. Now at this point I'm sick because the whole thing is a lie. I'm talking about character which is one of my values and our first one that we talk about at the Dallas Mavericks. And so my son and my husband was reared back. Oh, the brother was just on fire. He said, see, look at him, look at the boy smiling. He said, see, that's my job as his daddy, give him self-esteem, confidence. Look at him, look at him, look at him. And my boy came up to me and he goes, mom, I gotta tell you what happened. I said, honey, tell me what happened. He said, I got up and I held up the picture and I said, hi everybody, this is my cousin Jalen. <laughs> he said, I told everybody, this is my cousin Jalen and it's not me because I don't have any baby pictures because I was abandoned when I was nine, I was born in a bathtub, I was abandoned when I was nine months old with my nine-year-old brother taking care of me. They took my mother to jail, they left us and they found us and I was in all these foster homes and then I got adopted and now I have a thousand cousins. He said, mommy, everybody started crying and they just gave me the trophy. <laughs> I love that story because even with his parents' permission to lie, and I'm just not saying his daddy, because I bought in, I mean, I didn't shut it down, okay? Even with his parents' permission to lie, that boy told the truth. You know why? Because it is in us. It is absolutely in us to tell the truth. So character is a main value. Come up here, young people, I got a poem to end with for you. And before I do that, let me tell everybody else, another one of my values is health. Look at somebody and say, do you have? Yeah. Say it loud, do you have? Yeah. PMS. PMS. Look at somebody else and say, do you have? Yeah. PMS. PMS. 
Now, I don't know why you're laughing. PMS is physical, mental, and spiritual health. You are looking at a stage three, one lymph node away from stage four cancer survivor. Eight years ago, I was diagnosed with stage three cancer, almost stage four, and it really goes back to not taking care of my medical business and not getting a colonoscopy when the doctor gave me a referral slip a year prior to do that. And so now I tell people my physical, mental, and spiritual health is important. Make that a priority in your life. Amen. Is that okay? Amen. Look at somebody and say, I want you to have PMS. Young people, look at these young people around this room. Just look at this. Oh my goodness, look at this. Now I told y'all about those four honeys. That we actually adopted four kids. My son picked both of his sisters off the television. One was a San Francisco, I'm serious, one was a Wednesday child on the news in San Francisco who had been abandoned in San Francisco General Hospital, born to a heroin addict prostitute mother. And my son decided that she needed a big brother. He didn't say anything about a mom or a daddy, but she needed a big brother. And you know, we got him because I had four second trimester miscarriages and a daughter who died at six months old. But the Lord had a way of making my family. And so he made my husband call some hundred kind of number. It was an 800 number, but he didn't know how to say it. And we ended up with Shirley. Then we found his brother, who he was abandoned with, so then we took him at 14, and then we moved to North Carolina and heard about these wonderful kids because my son was watching TV again. In fact, when we moved him to college, to the dorms, I said, give me the remote control. <laughs> I, it's just too much, it's too much. But we have been blessed to adopt some wonderful children, and you can't tell, I mean, these, these are my babies. I'm so proud of them. And my baby, my 21-year-old superstar, Alicia, is in the house tonight. Stand up, baby. That's my baby. That's my baby. Her brother calls her Allie Mo. Well, he calls her Allie Malicious. I call her Allie Cat. Sit down, girl. All right, that's my baby. So the Lord has blessed me to raise some young people. You young people are near and dear to my heart. Okay, let me leave you with this poem that my mother taught me uh, when I was in elementary school. And the title of the poem is called Be the Best. And the point she was trying to make to us is no matter your circumstances, no matter where you come from, no matter what your zip code is, and that's what I love about these wonderful educators, my zip code didn't matter. Y'all didn't care about my zip code. Y'all didn't care that it was 94804. There are some people in this world who are in this room who love you, these educators here that are sitting out there, these wonderful people at the wings, folks at the MAMS, wonderful people like Effie, Capital. I mean, people love you. We have big plans for you and big expectations. So I wanna leave you with this poem that my mother taught me. It says, be the best. It says, if you can't be the pine on the top of the hill, be a scrub in the valley, but be. The best little scrub by the side of the rail, be a bush if you can't be a tree. If you can't be a bush, be a bit of the grass and some highway happier make. If you can't be a muskie, then just be a bass, but the liveliest bass in the lake. We can't all be captains, some have to be crew. There's something for all, all of us here. There's work to be done and we've all got to do our part in the way that's sincere. 
If you can't be a highway, then be a trail. If you can't be the sun, be a star. It isn't by the size that you win or you fail. Just be the best of whatever you are. God bless you. Enjoy the game tonight. Let's go Wings! Wow, incredible stuff, isn't it? She's just an awesome communicator. And, uh, of course, the, the bottom line is that diversity is being invited to the party, if you will, and inclusiveness is being asked to dance and kind of being taught how to dance as well. That's got to be the number one thing we take out of all of that, right, in a very compelling presentation. And then afterward, uh, some of the media and I got to speak one-on-one, get a few questions in with Cynthia Marshall. Where does your boundless energy come from? Probably the man upstairs. He gave it to me. He gave it to me. He gives it to me every morning. Every morning. <laughs> Great is thy faithfulness. I wanted to talk about Kathy Engelbert. You mentioned her, that, that you know her well. Tell us about why she's going to be good for the WNBA based on your relationship you've had with her. Well, she's a strong leader, and I met her years ago. I haven't seen her recently, uh, but she has a great history, uh, what she has been able to do at Deloitte. Uh, she came up through the ranks, and she's totally focused on lifting up everybody, but especially women. Uh, so I'm just really happy that Adam Silver is continuing to do what he said he was going to do, and that is diversify his leadership team and just really have a culture of diversity and inclusion and to have her appointed as the commissioner of the WNBA I think that says a lot about him and it says a lot about obviously the NBA and especially says a lot about Kathy herself. About why the WNBA is so important? Well, I just think it's important as a number one because these are athletes. Uh, these are very these women are strong athletes. They have passion. They have purpose. They have practice. They have dedicated their lives uh, to being excellent, uh, just like the fellas in the NBA. And so they are strong. And then to be role models for women, especially at a time like this where we need so many female role models, and to show uh, that we can do things too. They are doing that every time they step on the court, and they're doing it off the court. Uh, so I'm a big supporter of the Dallas Wings. I'm so happy to be here tonight. The Mavericks are here to support the Wings tonight. Female role models are needed more, you said, especially in time like now. Well, I think female role models are also needed, but especially uh, at a time where we just have so many powerful women out there. We need to have them out front so that our young ladies and our girls and our men, our boys, uh, can see the whole picture. It's a time to really focus on inclusion, to show that really every voice matters and everybody belongs. And that's what we're doing at the Dallas Mavericks. When you were a younger uh, woman, a young lady growing up, how did the St. Marshalls of your younger years my mother was a role model for me, the women in the community, uh, my teachers that I could call out, Miss Irvin and some others, uh, they were models to me. They showed me the, the value of working hard. They showed me my mother had two and three jobs all the time, fighting every day uh, for her six kids and for people in the community. So I saw it. Uh, I grew up with strong uh, female role models and hopefully I can just inspire some of these uh, these girls and boys. Hopefully I can inspire them just a little bit. If I can do just a little bit of what my mother and others did for me, it'll be all right. It's Thank evident, you. It's evident how important the educators were for you. Is there a message you would give to them as they embark on another school year with the students? I would just tell them be encouraged. Never give up. Sometimes I don't think our educators realize 
what they are doing uh, for some of these youth. I wish I could find Mr. Parents and Mr. Chapman and Mr. Rotelli and Miss Irving, God bless her soul, she passed away. But I wish I could just sit at their feet, my sixth grade teacher, Miss Rosen, and just tell them stories that I still remember of what they did for me and how they exposed me to things I never would have been exposed to. And I just thank God for them. And I tell all of our teachers, keep investing, keep sowing those seeds. You're sparking somebody every single day. I just keep you, doing it. I saw you taking pictures with a lot of the young girls today, and especially stressing the attitude and giving that pose, right? Yes. Just how yes. important Sisters is it for the attitude? attitude. Exactly. exactly. Yes. How important is it for the young ladies to, you know, find their voice and find their attitude? I think it's important for them to know that they can be who they are. And we talk a lot about authenticity, and I even that's one of our values at the Dallas Mavericks, and it said hashtag do you. Uh, people need to be who they are when they get up in the morning. And that's what we want all of our young people to know, that they are beautifully and wonderfully made. Uh, the Lord has a purpose for them, and we want them to step up. Yes, listen to us, let us guide you, but do you. Uh, everybody is here for a reason and a purpose, and we want some of that attitude, and we want you to bring it. I certainly have enough of it. From where you sit, I, obviously your creed is diversity and inclusion, and you've been at the forefront of that. How do you feel like the WNBA is doing that right now, and what kind of opportunity do they have to make an impact in this world through being really focused on that? What I'm loving about what I'm seeing is that you see men and women involved in the WNBA. You see some of our NBA players at WNBA games because they want to see good basketball. And so I think when you look at NBA and you see everybody there, you look at the WNBA and everybody there is there, it sends a message that we're all in this together, we all matter, and we just got to come together and keep focused and moving this community and this world forward. How is sports different? Is it different at all? from your perspective of trying to lead and motivate people? What is common is leadership. And to uh, lead a group of people, to be fortunate enough to lead a great group of people is what I was also able to do uh, in the corporate world. Uh, what is different here, obviously, is the business of basketball. And so, and I'm loving it. I'm loving learning the business of basketball. But I'm blessed to work with great people, and we're just, just leading them. It's the same. Leadership is the same, but basketball is different. It's a whole different subject matter. Yes, new balls to bounce. Yes, it's awesome, though. I'm so blessed uh, that Mark Cuban gave me this opportunity. I'm really blessed and blessed that Dallas has embraced what we're doing at the Dallas Mavericks. We are here for Dallas. We come to work every day. There are 180 of us that come to work every day to do great things for Dallas. And we have 15 guys on the court helping us do great things for Dallas. There she is, Cynthia Marshall, the CEO of the Dallas Mavericks here on the Her Hoop Stats podcast. A powerful personality and just one of those moments and one of those speeches that I am never going to forget and something I hope you took good notes on today. Well, this Her Hoop Stats podcast was a little bit different, wasn't it? And in the future, we've got some different types of things coming up on the Her Hoop Stats podcast. And after huddling up with my executive producer, Aaron Barzilai, we thought we would hold off another week on telling you exactly what we were going to do in the future here. But we've got some very fun bonus content coming up that I'm really excited about bringing you. I'm bursting at the seams to want to bring it up and sell it to you because I think you're going to have a lot of fun listening to it when it does come out. And then in addition to that uh, all the interviews that we're working to bring you as well so we've got great things in the pipeline for you i hope you enjoy your week thanks so much for being part of the community make sure to subscribe uh, rate us review us it really does help and again that email podcast 
at HerHoopStats.com will help you talk directly to me about what you're hearing week to week. The announcer on the Her Hoop Stats podcast is Susie Solis. Our music by Jared Deck. And Aaron Barzilai is our executive producer. I'm John Little. At the Her Hoop Stats podcast, we are unlocking better insight about the women's game. Her Hoop Stats. Stats.